Welcome to the OA, Overeaters Anonymous, 100 pounder uh, meeting on Wednesday, the 30th of December. Today we have our speaker, Carol M. And Carol, I just want to confirm with you uh, that you're happy for this to be recorded and we will publish it on our little YouTube channel and share it in the WhatsApp group if that's okay with you. That's fine, no problem, yes. Fantastic. Carol, you have about, um, I can't remember who said they were timing, but they will time you. So how do you want your time, Carol? Um, so it's, uh, I guess, 20 minutes. So 10, 5, and 1. How's that? After 10 minutes, a... after, five, after another 5 minutes, and then when, when there's 1 minute left. How's that? That's awesome. All right. Take it away, Carol. Over to you. Thank you. I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Who's my timekeeper? Just so I can see them. It's me, Audrey. Scream it out. Scream it out. Audrey. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so another one to time yes. is so I know. Um, yeah, perfect. Thank you. Uh, I am Carol. I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Um, I, I have, uh, let me give you some numbers so you don't know me. I don't think I really know anybody at the meeting. I've spoke to Rita a couple of times. I, so I don't think you guys really know me. And I, I think it's important you see somebody, you know, with Zoom, we kind of can't see each other. I'm, I'm uh, tall and thin. I've lost about 120 pounds. I came into OA when I was 17 and a half and I'm 57. Um, that's 40 years in OA. I am abstinent in January, will be 28 years, back-to-back -back abstinence. No binging, no puking, no starving, no game playing, no, you know, I'm solidly abstinent for, for, for coming up on 28 years. And I'm, I say that, uh, um, that is, uh, I didn't see a point of coming to OA if I was gonna be in this kind of perpetual relapse. And I am the personality type that I do everything passionately. I'm passionately abstinent or I'm passionately in relapse. So, um, and on that, I will uh, tell my story. I was uh, a fat kid. I was uh, born nine pounds, one ounce. I got bigger. Um, my mom said I cried for a second bottle. My sister didn't do that. Uh, she gave it to me. I shut up. It was good. You know, I mean, it was all good. And but unfortunately, um, I got, I I was heavy. Nobody seemed to mind my weight until about second grade, and then everybody seemed to mind my weight. So I was kind of popular in kindergarten and first grade. I was very pleasant. I was a nice kid. I was huge. Um, but I was good. Um, the only thing I will tell you, I did dread a few things of uh, being weighed by the nurse, that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I like dreaded it and all the kids kind of knew, but it was kind of manageable. And then I guess in second grade, kids started to notice, and I do have very clear memories. This, this, some of this stuff you kind of can't forget. Um, I, uh, was made fun of when I was a kid, I was bullied ruthlessly and wouldn't you know it after all these years in the program after fourth steps 10 steps uh, and 27 years of therapy with the same therapist um i'm only starting to address the bullying i just it just never came up the way it is now the fourth step doesn't ask you who harmed you and what did they do and you know it doesn't ask you that so i kind of was like oh i'm terrible i did all my you know anyway let me let me move on with this so um, my parents were, um, my, my dad was bipolar. I didn't know that I was taking a course, uh, in my graduate program and 
there he was right on the paper definition bipolar two. There was my father. Um, I had no idea. My parents were heavy drinkers. My, my mother is a alcoholic and um, has alcohol dementia in a nursing home right now. So my growing up wasn't, um, it was like a perfect storm of a lot of ugly things. My older sister was very ashamed of me because of my weight. I wasn't good for her image. Um, I really didn't have anyone. I was, and as I said, I was made fun of very brutally for my obesity. And um, all I wanted was to be liked and included as a child. I, I just wanted to be a part of, and I was never a part of. Um, that said, I was actually, fascinatingly enough, I was a pretty good athlete um, as, a, as a fat kid. Um, uh, and um, wasn't always picked for the last, but I was one of the last because nobody wanted to really be associated with me. Um, and, and that hurt me deeply. I, I just wanted to be friends. I ended up developing a kind of a life with the television where I really believed, I, and I believe this to this day, that what one of the things that's kind of screwed me up more than my obesity, which might not have been as big of a problem as I thought it was, because I know people who are heavy, but they have nice personalities and they, they do all the things. But I felt like every problem in my life was because I was fat and I was obese. And that was, if I got thin, everything was going to be perfect. And I think one of the things I wouldn't necessarily call it an addiction, but one of the lies that I've told myself and, and, and this keeps going on, you know, I didn't uh, get, get abstinent and get perfect. Eight to I 12. Yeah. Lisa M, okay. I think you have to mute. Okay. So one of the things that, um, uh, that I'm kind of, uh, has, uh, has really not worked for me, although I thought it worked for me, was this kind of belief in this fantasy. So when I'm obese, I have this fantasy of what my life will be like when I'm skinny and everything's gonna be perfect. And then when I'm skinny, I can't stop thinking about food. Okay, so this was, this was my um, lot in life. This is what I, the, the cards I drew. So let's fast forward. I, was about 16, I realized, you know, I, I, I just love boys. I think they're the cutest things that I can't believe God made them. How cool is that? And I'm a girl, they're so cute. And anyway, so I liked this boy in high school and he didn't like me, but I realized no one would ever like me. I needed to lose this weight so I could live this fantasy life. life. I really believed that when I lost the weight, I was gonna feel like the woman on the cover of Cosmo looked. And Cosmo is a fashion magazine. I don't know if you have it where you are, but we have it where we are. And I thought I was just gonna feel that way all the time, the way she looked. And um, boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. You know, at that time, I mean, I'm 57 now. Um, Jordache jeans were popular. I remember losing my weight. So I went to Weight Watchers and um, I made a decision to really follow it, you know, because I was the girl that was always on a diet or cheating on a diet. So I made a decision at this point to stay on this diet and get goal weight. I wanted that. And um, I remember hitting goal weight and um, I'd lost over 100 pounds and standing in front of the mirror and doing the ta-da thing, like ta-da, 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 in my Jordache jeans. And, and the it that was going to happen when I lost this weight really didn't, didn't happen at all. In fact, what happened was that I was uh, this kind of obese athletic girl became this kind of skinny, almost frail kind of thing. And um, I, I was, well, if I stood up fast, I got a head rush and I got dizzy. Um, I was bumping my hip bones against things because I was unclear about my body size. And um, I didn't feel well a lot of the time. And I was a bitch. So that's what being skinny got for me. And um, 
then I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't really want to talk about the past too much because there's a lot that's very significant in OA and we're all here. So why, why not talk about, you know, but just so that you know, I claim my seat and I, I belong here. I paid in advance, you know, I mean, I paid in advance a lifetime membership for my seat in OA. Um, I went babysitting at, at goal weight because at this point now, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I was on Weight Watchers. I hit goal weight and I just didn't know what to do. So I stayed on my food plan and I, so I was still losing weight, but then I went babysitting. Um, I was 17. I, I reached for a, I was 16, I guess, 16. I reached for a club soda. My hand grabbed Nedman's cake and I ate the whole thing. And then I ate everything else in the house that I could find that wasn't nailed down, you know? I had my first binge. I never binged as a fat person. I just was, my hand was always in the pot. So I never binged. Um, now I binged. I didn't know what that was. I'm like, what, what was that? You know? And I figured, ah, oh, just got it out of my system. Let me get back in shape. And um, I binged again the next day. Um, and then I went for like, uh, I'd have three days and then I'd binge again. Um, and now I'm having two days and I'm binging. I, now I can't, I, it's becoming, so that went on for about a year. I thought I was losing my mind. Um, I did a lot of things in there. I joined gyms. I even went away. I went to a dairy farm upstate New York for the summer. I wanted to be a veterinarian at that point. Um, I went to a dairy farm to work all summer. I figured, well, I'll just get away. I'll go back on my diet. I'll lose the weight. So that was the geographic cure. And I um, binged my way in the house, somebody else's house. I was living with them. I was, need I say more? I went back to school my senior year, obese again. Um, and then somebody's, told me about OA and I'm like, what, what good are they? They don't even have scales there. I guess I had heard that. And I went into my very first meeting and they said, one bite leads to a binge. They said, powerless over food. And I had never heard anything so powerful. I was struck like, like I was hit by a train. I could not believe what I was hearing. It blew me away. It, I was struck abstinent that night, okay? Now this is 1980. I was um, 17 and a half on the day. Um, September 8th, my birthday's March 8th. And it was amazing to me. So, um, and I knew I, I knew that it was, it was gone. That thing was gone, that it was gone. I knew it was gone. Anyway, I grabbed my gray sheet and I, and I bought a big book, right? And I got the hell out of there. Thank you very much, I'm out of here. And um, six months later, I'm eating my half chicken for breakfast because on gray sheet, you could have a protein for breakfast and one of the proteins was a half chicken. So I'm having a half chicken for breakfast with a Rome apple, basically the size of my living room. Remember Rome apples, you know, doused in sweet and low, okay? Um, and my salads were basically iceberg lettuce, sweet and low vinegar and mustard. Because at that point now I'm on gray sheet, I'm starving, all right? So I'm gaunt, I'm hungry. And now I'm, I'm drinking diet soda like there's no tomorrow. I'm using everything I can use that does not count because I'm- Carol, four, 10 minutes gone. Thank you, because I'm hungry, okay? So, so I'm gonna kind of fast forward. So I went into OA, um, I started relapsing, I went back, full, full, full blast, you know? They say the first abstinence is a gift and the second one you gotta work for. Well, I'm here to tell you that I relapsed for 12 and a half years um, with long periods of absence, with very, very painful, um, abusive, uh, dramatic binging. I taught myself bulimia. Um, it wasn't because I heard it in the rooms. I taught myself bulimia. I choked on a piece of chicken and I'm like, get the fuck, this, this can't be happening. This is awesome. The problem with bulimia was that it, it's a built-in 
you never have to stop. You eat, you throw up, you eat, you throw up, you eat, you throw up. And that trigger goes off in your brain. Listen, the problem with bulimia is that I couldn't stop the bulimia. So I ate, I threw up, I ate, I threw up, I ate, I threw up. And um, I, it, I just, I couldn't stop it. So, um, I mean, I could go two or three days without uh, sleeping, eating and throwing up. So it was not a solution, although at first I thought it was. Now, the other thing is also, if, you're, if you've been relapsing a while, I, I had a long history of relapse. And what I started to do was that I knew that OA was the last house in the block. So I always came back to OA. There was no place to go. There was no place there. I never heard the word, if you will. I never heard what I heard. I couldn't find what I heard in OA anywhere else. And I also noticed it didn't seem to matter who was doing it or not. It would be like, like one or two ladies would breeze in and they were abstinent for like 10 years, right? And then everyone else was always struggling. But what it did occur to me after a while in the program is I would call, I said, you know, why, what is it that they do that's different? I think this is significant because there's a lot of relapse in a way and I'd like to talk about that. Um, what I found in relapse, what I, what I did was I called all these people who were abstinent because I was struggling a lot with relapse. Oh, and by the way, the first abstinence I said is a gift. The second one you have to work for. The, the 30th one you have to work for. The 35th one you have to work for. Um, you don't get the pink clouds the way you do in the beginning, but you can get abstinent. I've never been denied abstinence when I've truly sought it, okay? And it, it meant me getting serious about my life. So I had to wake up and stay awake, okay? It wasn't anyone's fault. It wasn't how well I, I managed or weighed my cottage cheese. It wasn't about having the right sponsor. It was something about waking up and staying awake. And it was something deeply personal on the inside of me. I come from a lot of relapse, guys. I come from a lot of, a lot of relapse. It wasn't about a special meeting. It wasn't about this or that. It was about me making some kind of a decision on the inside that I was in trouble, that I needed help. There was something here special and I had to get my shit together. And it had to do with looking at my life differently. Okay. I couldn't be asleep in my life. I had to wake up. And this, this happened like this was, I was in the program. Okay. So one thing I noticed about relapse, I started paying attention. And I noticed there's something that I will refer to as prelapse. So I'm passionate, I'm going to meetings, I'm abstinent, I've got my 30 days, I got my coin, I got my sponsor, I'm doing good. Um, you know, the weight, any XR weight was coming off, whatever, I'm doing good. And then a little while in, I would start to be like, I don't really have time to go to this meeting or I'll call my sponsor when I think she's at work or when I get her machine or, you know what, these people are kind of nutty anyway. And so I would start pushing away from the program, okay? And that's when I would notice, or I would get like, my, my thinking would get negative. And I, and I will call this prelapse. There's something changed and I was no longer in this position of grace where this kind of abstinent kind of where I was really in, 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 in I don't know, grace for, for lack of a better word. And what I, so, so prelapse, any, I believe at any point, prelapse can be changed back into abstinence. One of the things I had to do was really, really, really throw myself. So if you put yourself in the center, you will never fall off the edge. So I had to stay in the center. So if I would be like, I don't wanna go to this meeting, fuck those people, those people are wacky. I'd have to go to the meeting and tell them I'm in trouble. I, my brain is telling me not to talk to you guys. Like I'd have to call my sponsor and say, you know what, I, you know what I wanna do? I don't, I don't wanna talk to you. I, so I had to start telling on myself. So that was, prelapse is very, very important. It's like, the, like, like as if relapse is, is a train, the food is the caboose. A lot happens before I pick up the food, a lot. 
and it starts in my brain. The tendency of this disease is to, I can do this myself. I don't need you guys. Leave me alone. Fuck you people. You're very nice, but you know what? I'm not a group's person. So bye, you know, but they're very nice, but leave me alone. And the problem with that is, is that I'll be minding my own business. And all of a sudden I put something else in my mouth. All of a sudden something in the refrigerator calls me. And then I can't say no. And I'm eating it. Do you know what I'm saying? This is something that happens in my mind. It is not the food. It's something that happens in my mind. So what I see about relapse, the reasons for relapse is that step one, that I really think that there's something I can do that. So, so what I found is that, that I get abstinence is not an achievement. It's not something I achieve. It's something that's given to me. If I put myself in a position to receive it, and that has to do with humbling myself. And I have been around for a long, long time and I have really suffered in relapse. I remember throwing up in Grand Central Station in Manhattan in three o'clock in the morning. One of the women there, the homeless, asked me if I was okay. I'm in a mink coat puking my brains out. I can't stop eating. I can't stop throwing up. She asks me if I'm okay, right? I am powerless over food, right? That, that the only way I'm not gonna do that behavior is if it is restored to me. So I have to be in step one is that if that thing hits me, I'm going. And the only way it's not gonna hit me is, that, is there's something I get at these meetings that I don't get anywhere else. I don't get it in therapy. I, don't, I need therapy, I don't get it in therapy. I don't get it anywhere else. I can only get it from you guys. I don't get it from AA. I'm not in AA, but I'd like to go to AA because those guys are a lot more fun, okay? I don't qualify for that program. I qualify to be here. You know, I heard at a meeting one time, <laughs> I probably shouldn't share this, but I am because it's funny. AA is a party, Al-Anon is a luncheon, always a funeral. You know what, you guys, you are it for me. I don't qualify. I mean, I definitely, who doesn't qualify for Al-Anon? I mean, right? But I don't belong in AA. I like to go and look at the boys, all right? I, I belong here. This is, this is my program. If, I, if without you guys, I can't stop eating. And you know what else? We can get well regardless of anyone. I went to a meeting for 10 years. I was the only one abstinent. We can get well regardless of anyone. I started to take this really seriously. Okay, so the reasons I found for relapse is step one. People, like I didn't want to believe that I really had this thing, affliction, disease, addiction. I don't care what you call it, call it whatever you want. Whatever, if the food calls me, I'm going. And there seems to be something about this collective unconscious thing that we have going on here. Because I remember my sponsor said to me, so I'm throwing up in Grand Central at three in the morning. I'm sorry, you can't tell me there's a God. Okay, you can't tell me at this point. And I remember I said to my sponsor, she said to me, I want you to get on your knees and I want you to pray to God. And I said, well, I don't believe in God. She goes, okay, get on your knees and pray to a God you don't believe in. You know what? I could do that. I could do that. I can work with that. I can tell God that I don't believe in. I can pray to a God that I don't understand as I don't understand him. I became an atheist to an agnostic to, I believe that God is like gravity. You either cooperate or you fight it. If you cooperate, you get really cool things like abstinence. If you fight it, I don't know. You get, you know, you get to feel good about being an atheist, but you get, that's all you get. And with me, I have a disease, so I'm probably going to eat. That's who I am. So I, I'm not telling anybody they need to believe or not believe, but I know that there's something beneficial to me to be on the search. 
being in the search, because I can tell you as we sit down, I don't really know what that is, but I know I'm not it. And there's something magical that happens with you guys that, you know, and this is another thing that I heard. I sought my soul, my soul I could not free. I sought my God, my God I could not see. I sought my brother and I found all three. And in doing that, something happens that I can't explain that I am able to put food in its proper place in my life. And it comes with you guys. It does not come from measuring my, my cottage cheese properly. It just doesn't come that way. Okay, so step one was that I really believed there was something I could do to get this food in order, all right? And I finally, I just stopped fighting that. The next thing, that, along with step one is keeping secrets, um, and especially about the big ones, money, relationships. I will tell you anything, right? But I'm not, there's two things I'll never talk about is my relationships and my food, okay? And I found that I have to become very, very transparent in here with someone who can handle me and who I trust and who loves me, okay? And that's not a parade, okay? It's not a parade. I don't have a parade of people. I got one or two or three people that are with me. Now I have you guys with five minutes left? 10. Okay, left or done? No, left, I'll give you a five minute call. Thank you, great, thank you. And thanks for screaming that out because I hear myself too much, you know what I'm saying? So. Um, that I don't want to talk about the things that I don't, uh, the dirty things, the things that I'm hiding, the secrets, especially about relationships, especially with dysfunctional people, because God forbid you should say something and I should have to look at that. You know what I mean? I don't want to let go of my dysfunctional relationships because what I want to do is be skinny and have these dysfunctional relationships. The things that I cling to the tightest serve me least. So I've found that if I talk about them, something starts to change. I don't have to necessarily change them, but as I talk about them with someone who has similar, who they're on the road with me, they're not perfect people. Like last time I checked, I've never met a perfect person, but I do find people to be on the road with me who have the same goals in mind, who are honest in the way that I'm honest. The second reason I found for relapse is this, this was very powerful for me, co-occurring mental health issues. And I'm not saying that people in the meetings are crazy. I'm not saying I'm crazy. I think I'm one of the, I'm pretty solid. You know what I mean? But I have a couple of things going on that are ugly and painful. One of which is major depression, okay? My major depression is not somebody's bad day. It is major depression. I had to pursue um, medication for help with that and some good therapy and some really hard stuff for me. And on, the, on, on that, and I'll explain, um, co-occurring disorders. Now there are, so for me, major depression, I had to separate my eating disorder from this major depression. I had to treat my eating separately than I treated my major depression. They're two separate things. And if I don't treat them separately and on their own terms, they start to dance. And my major depression pulls me into my eating and my eating pulls me into my depression. And I can't get out of the swamp. Okay, so that was something, and that was very, very helpful when so I had a, a mental health professional tell me that. Um, just that way, and that changed my life because I, I, would, I would get abstinent and then I would start to sink and I couldn't pull out of it. And I had to learn about medication compliance because when I started to feel better, I don't need these medications. Kind of like I'm abstinent, I feel good, I don't need those meetings. And, and when I truly surrendered to the fact that, you know what, if it's helping, stay with it, do you know what I'm saying? If it becomes not necessary, it will become obvious. 
Okay. And then the third reason I see, and there may be a lot of other reasons, um, but the, the thing that has really disabled me a lot in long-term abstinence and also in dealing with a lot of depression, even in long-term abstinence, is past trauma. So I'm the type, I want it to be my fault. I love the fourth step. I'm wrong. I'm, it's me. What's wrong with me? I'm a bad person. I should be more living, loving it. I stayed in a marriage for years because I was doing my fourth step constantly. How was I wrong? Apologize. And that guy was an asshole. What was I thinking? You know, so I had to really look at my past. What, what happened to me in the past that I do now to, and perpetuate what the truth that I know. So um, let me explain that if I can a little bit. If trauma happened to me and I don't think I'm worth anything, how am I perpetuating that? Do I stay with people that really aren't that kind to me? Do I encourage bad relationships because I'm so afraid of being abandoned that I take crumbs because, or I take starving because crumbs would be a banquet. Like I take nothing, I take nothing. So how am I not honoring who I am? Is there a trauma in my past that I lived through it once? Thank you very much. I don't want to live through that again. So I don't want to deal with it. I'd rather beat myself up for being a bad person and get on with my steps. Okay. And I've had to go back and look at some of that ugly stuff. And a lot of it did have to do not only with, you know, my dad was domestic violence. I don't need to say anymore. He beat, well, I will say a little bit more, won't I, obviously. Um, he beat the shit out of my mother. He beat the shit out of us. It was worse watching what happened to my mother. I thought that was my abuse. But looking back as an obese kid, let me tell you something, those kids brutalized me. They brutalized me. And I've had to really look at that stuff. And I, I put it off as long as I could. And I'm looking at it now in a new way. This is a, a classroom that never stops. The, 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 the lessons never stop, but the peace and the fulfillment in life comes from being engaged in the work. Okay, so... I wish I could tell you guys, you know, uh, being obese really sucked, but I thought I'd get skinny and be happy. And what I found was in order to stay thin, which is, listen, I won't say it's the least of it. I like being slender. I like it a lot. I'm a tall, I'm five foot seven. I don't know what that is in centimeters, but I'm a tall, thin woman. Um, and I really enjoy it. Thank you. In an odd way, that's kind of the least of it. It's cool, but it's the least of it. The most of it is that what I really wanted when I was obese, I wanted peace. I wanted to be okay within myself. I wanted to feel included. I wanted to feel normal. I wanted to feel all those things that I thought being thin would give me. And thin didn't give me those things. Thin gave me a whole set of other problems. Try being 17 years old and thin for the first time and dating. I was scared to death. I also lost myself constantly because I didn't know how to be a thin person. I felt like I was suddenly, I'd been in the audience my whole life as an obese person. I thought I'd be on stage. I knew none of my lines. Suddenly I'm on stage. I don't know any of my lines. So um, I am, you know, uh, and yet the scariest thing for me was to be, to be obese again. And that was not, I hid in my obesity. I hid. And in my, abstinence, I don't, I'm not hiding anymore. I am, I have been looking for peace. I have been looking to be comfortable. I've been looking to fit in. I, um, I'm also diagnosed borderline. If anyone knows what that is, 
You're probably never gonna call me. And if you don't know what it is and you Google it, you'll be very scared later. I have had to really, really embrace who I am to start to heal from some of that and to not be that person, to not always be seeking attention, to not, to find a self inside of myself. And this is all because I wanted to lose hundred pounds. This isn't because I'm like this great therapy person. This is because in my abstinence, I am always led to some deeper level of myself. And I, it's really cool and I like it. It's unbelievable. But that said, it all had to do because I want to be skinny and have a boyfriend. And I have continued. So when I say get a, wake up and stay awake, that's what I'm referring to. And I will tell you guys something that I, and I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking because I'm finding, you know, a couple of things that I've found. I, I got into the, the books, the AA books. I, I, I prefer the AA books. I just do. Okay. So I, I don't really have a problem. Do I, do I understand what's being like being in a gutter drunk? Well, no, but do I know what it's like being in a, my soul being in a gutter and I can't stop eating? and my stomach's distended out to here, and I'm burping, and I'm tasting shit in my mouth because I've eaten so much that, and I can't move, and I feel like a beached whale, and I want to be dead, and I, and I hate myself. Yeah, I know what that's like. I think that they can identify with that too. So yeah, I, I identify. Do I identify with the specifics? No, no, not really. Not, not drinking. I'm not really an alcoholic. I know how to have a good time. I don't drink in abstinence. It doesn't work for me. That's just, I'm not judging. I don't care. You know, knock yourself out if it works for you. It screws me with my food. So I don't, I don't do it. Um, so what I found, and I'm just going to kind of backtrack because there's a couple of things in this book that are really powerful for me. This phenomenon of craving, that's what happens to me if I don't work my, my program. I'm minding my own business and I get this phenomenon of craving. Well, I cannot say no to the food. Um, and the only thing that has ever helped me with that was was where we got here, the psychic change. And that's what I had to look for. It says on page 46, and for those of us who struggle with the higher power thing, we have found that God does not make too hard terms on those who seek him. That means, please help me is enough. I don't even know if I believe in you, please help me. That's enough. You're, you, you're there, you're already there. I find the most spiritual people are kind of like me, we're always, we don't really get it. You know, someone's talking about spirituality constantly. I don't get, I don't, I don't identify with that. Okay. Maybe you are, that's okay, good. One minute, Carol. Okay, and I'm just gonna end with saying this. Uh, this, is, this was the deal that I had with God, as I don't understand him, just to be clear. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone even food, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in food. And I think people are I, under, um, familiar with the 10 step promises. And it goes on, and this is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. We're in a position of neutrality. I had to have that. I could not go through my life in abstinence or anything else, white knuckling the food. I would rather be dead than walk around skinny and white knuckling. I had to be free, I had to be peaceful, and I had to be safe, whatever that means. I have a disease that is a time bomb. I believe if I don't do what I need to do, I promise you, it might take a little while because I'm absent a long time. It might take a couple of months before I'm full blown in bulimia again. It may, it may not, it may, but I promise you I will relapse if I don't do what I need to do. I promise you 28 years, it is a drop in the bucket. 
So if I do what I need to do, I put myself in the center, you, I will never fall off the edge. And so I, I keep coming back and I'm involved. And I do the, to me, it's the hard stuff. It's that you call your sponsor and, and I'll, I promise I'll end. You, you know, hi, how are you? You talk about this, talk about this, the hard stuff, the stuff you don't wanna talk about. And that's the way to working, to me, to working the steps is to start to really talk about the hard stuff and to like, get my shit together and embrace my life. If I make it about the food, I'll never get abstinent. If I make it about what I need to make it about, the hard stuff in my life that I need help with to grow and change, the food gets into its proper place and then I can do with the food what I want to. I can be free with the food and make it good, healthy, sane choices. I also find that weight loss is math. If I eat too much, I weigh exactly what I eat, less how much I exercise. So I, and as I age, I have to eat a little bit less. You know, there's a lot of shit about abstinence that they don't tell you in the beginning, which is probably good. But that said, I have to tell you, I'm free. The food does not call to me. I am peaceful. And if the food for any reason is screwing me up, I immediately talk about what's going on. I immediately, and, and it doesn't anymore because I, I know what I got to do. I talk about what's going on. And, and, I, and I seek to know what motivates me so I can move on and get to my next level. Anyway, thank you so much. It's been very much, it's a privilege um, on this New Year's to be able to share with you. Thank you. Carol, thank you so much. Can we give Carol jazz hands there, everybody? Absolutely fantastic. Carol, we'll stop the recording now. That was nothing short of sensational.